You are listening to Redefining Disability, an adaptive sports podcast brought to you by Move United. I am your host, Sean Butcher, and I have the privilege of serving as the editor of Move United Magazine, the nation's leading adaptive sports publication. Each week, tune in to hear how sports have made it possible for our nation's adaptive athletes, training tips from the best coaches and program leaders, and news on the latest technology, equipment, and trends in the industry. Zach Shattuck discovered swimming in 2015, but didn't start swimming competitively until college, where he swam for four years at Frostburg State University. The Mount Airy, Maryland native went on to compete at the 2020 Paralympics and recently earned a silver and bronze medal at the Parapan American Games in Chile. In addition to competing personally, he is also coaching. So let's chat with him. So Zach, I want to talk a lot about swimming, obviously, but maybe for those that... um, are listening to you, maybe just start with talking about how sports, uh, you know, played a role in your life growing up and how you got into sports. Yeah. So sports played a huge role in my life. My first word was actually ball. And (laughs) I have loved sports ever since I was a little kid. Um, I grew up playing soccer, basketball, baseball. Uh, I got into wrestling when I was in high school. Um, and but soccer was my sort of one true love and sport that I played the most. I played it all through high school and played varsity my junior and senior year. Um, and that was just a huge kind of like team. I was a huge like team sport guy. Uh, I'd always played team sports, never really had done anything except wrestling that was more of like on the individual level. Um, so starting swimming was a kind of a unique experience for me. And and uh, obviously playing all of those other sports, how did you first get introduced to kind of the pool and swimming? Yeah, so when I was 18, uh, or I guess maybe 17, I had gone to the World Dwarf Games, which was taking place in Michigan at mm-hmm. Michigan State University. And every four years they have this event, the World Dwarf Games, and every year they have like a national games for dwarf athletes. And it's like a convention associated with little people of America. Mm-hmm. And I played all the different sports there growing up. Um, but I'd never really tried swimming and I just kind of did it on a whim with some friends. And I ended up racing against at the world dwarf games, this kid from Australia, whose parents happened to be sitting next to my parents. And I beat him in one race and he beat me in another and my, his parents were like, well, who does your son swim for? Like, have you guys heard about the Paralympics? Um, and my parents had no idea what they were talking about. So they went, my dad went home and did like some research on it yeah. and sort of told me about what the Paralympics was. And we looked into the, like what it could, like what it took to kind of get in. And I needed to get into the pool to start with. So when I was a freshman, um, I went, I was going to Frostburg State University and like my second week there at the school, I went and talked to the head swim coach and was like, hey, can you give me like a few pointers on how to not drown in the pool? Um, kind of like that's, just, a good, that's a good place to start, right? Yeah. How not to help drown. Me, help me go back and forth. I could swim. Like I grew up, um, my family had a property in West Virginia that was on a river. And so I spent summers, you know, fishing, kayaking, swimming with like cousins Um, So I knew like how to swim, but never like didn't know how to do a flip turn or kind of actually do the strokes, breaststroke, no shot. I knew what that was. Backstroke, I would like zigzag, butterfly. I looked like I was drowning. Um, Sorry about that. 
And uh, I think, thankfully, the team was new. And the coach was like, you know what? Instead of giving you pointers, I'm just going to, like, if you want to join and, like, the opportunity's there. So I had a call with my dad and was like, what do you think? He's like, this is a chance you should jump on. You never know where it'll take you. And, you know, 10 years later, I'm a Paralympian. I've traveled all over the world and it's one of my favorite stories to tell. So, and so did you, you got to be part of the college, the collegiate team all four years? I did. Yeah. I was actually a four year or uh, three year captain on the team. I've got some of my like lifelong best friends that came out of that team. Um, the head coach at the time, I ended up working for him when he went to his alma mater. I was like a graduate assistant uh, at his like the University of Mary Washington. Um, and he ended up being on staff that went to Tokyo. Mm-hmm. So that was a kind of a cool experience for us to share. Uh, yeah, so it was it was an unbelievable time in my life. And so when you um, when you were uh, obviously exploring, you know the the sport. Uh, how did you decide like which strokes and which you know distances and those types of things that um, that you wanted to race in and compete in? Um. So it was sort of an all over kind of experience when after my, like during my freshman year, we sort of played around with all the different strokes just to get me as experienced and like, um, as sort of, yeah, like in in sort of a touch with the water as I could be. Mm -hmm. Um, so he, my coach put me in all sorts of different events and the American records that had been for my classification, um, like had been older and weren't, like all of that fast uh, compared to some of the other ones. And so like I started breaking American records. So coach started putting me in events just to try to break records. So that really got me a variety of uh, events, but I always knew like I prefer kind of the intensity and the, the chase of a sprint. Um, so sprint events, like my freshman sophomore year was more like freestyle um, and butterfly for the shorter sprints. And my junior year, I really got uh, into breaststroke. And that breaststroke and IM sort of became more of my key focus. And breaststroke eventually like was my main main stroke going into trials for Tokyo. And I know that some of that obviously uh, depends on classifications and, and everything mm-hmm. else, right, too? So, so in the dwarfism uh, classification, are there any... Um, uh, categories or strokes that you're that that aren't part of the IPC or or, or do you have the full gamut that, that at your disposal? Um, so Paralympic swimming events tend to differ from like Olympic level events. Um, for in my classification, I believe that the events available to me are like in freestyle, it's the hundred and the four hundred freestyle. Um, in backstroke, it's the hundred back. Breaststroke, it's the 100 breast. Butterfly, it's just the 50 butterfly. Um, and I am, we have the 200 I am. So those are like the only events that for my classification that I can swim. So we don't, and in general, in para, the longest events, the 400, nothing over that. So I sort of found my niche in the 200 I am and the um, 100 breasts and have been working on the 50 fly because I no longer have the. 50 free available for my classification. Okay. Um, 
So it's sort of, you kind of adapt like Mm -hmm. in just in life, having a physical disability, you sort of have to adapt as things change and the Paralympic landscape has changed and events change. So you sort of just roll with the punches and try to stay with what you think you're best at and what's going to give you the best chance at making a games. Yeah, that's uh, an, an adaptive sports adaptation is key regardless, right? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. It's it's one of the main principles that I think really showcases a Paralympic athletes and any athlete with a disability, um, their resilience and like how you can adapt to certain situations. Yeah, that's true. Very true. And so why do you think swimming stuck? What is it about the sport? What is it about being in the water? Uh, I think... For me, for a long time, it was like it was something that I could keep doing at a competitive level. Um, I'm always someone who's loved to kind of to compete to show that I am an athlete. Uh, I want to show the rest of the world that I can do things, even if you know, like people with my condition don't get the same like respect or light of day. Uh, you kind of look, get looked down upon. So I wanted to make a stand and say like, "Hey, I can do this too," and I wasn't ready to let go of kind of like I, I didn't I'm not the nine to five kind of guy I never have been probably never will be and it just gives me a chance to travel the world to meet a lot of really cool and unique people and learn their stories um and to kind of inspire the next generation because I didn't really know a lot of the opportunities that I had there wasn't really someone before me that was doing this that I could look up to and say hey like this person with warpism has done this like I know them and I can do it at least from the male side. Um, and so I've now gotten to witness a lot of, uh, younger swimmers coming up and being able to like have those conversations with them and see their progress has been huge. So I think that's why I still kind of stay in and just enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. And when you, um, particularly like leading up to, um, to 2020, um, what would you say was your best stroke and why? Uh, leading up to 2020, my best stroke was definitely the 100 breaststroke. Um, I had dropped like a good amount of time in that and was continuing to like make progress and knew that that was going to be my like selection event if I was going to be named to the Tokyo team um, and ended up having a really good, good swim at trials in that event. So breaststroke kind of became that like primary focus uh, and the other strokes were just sort of you know, trying to get the minimum ent- entry time so we could have other events to swim at uh, Tokyo. Yeah. And for, for you know, new um, swimmers, for new, maybe maybe for individuals with disabilities that haven't tried the sport, is there a stroke that's like easier or does it probably depend on the disability as well? But is there like an introductory stroke, if you know, to, to just get people acclimated in the pool and, and swimming? Yeah, I think it's definitely going to depend on, you know, physical ability for learning different swimming strokes. But freestyle is usually the kind of universal stroke that you can describe Mm -hmm. and everyone sort of has the concept or at least idea of what it should look like. Um, It's it's technical in many ways, but not as focused or like effort required as much as like butterfly or breaststroke per se. Um, so freestyle, like I teach swim lessons and when I coach for like younger kids, that's usually the first stroke we try to get them to like experience and understand. And then once they have a little bit of comfort in the water and a little more under their belt, like then you can kind of go 
and move into the other other strokes. Yeah. Okay. And um, so, what's the landscape for you for the future? Are you are you um, you haven't hung up your swim cap yet? Have have you? Or are you looking looking to looking to the summer? Yeah. So I after Tokyo, I took some time off, um, spent some time with my both my grandparents on my mom's side um, dealt with illness and everyone family was sort of far. So I kind of took some time and lived with them and uh, lost, I wouldn't say lost the swimming edge, but just needed a break. And after they both had passed and like time kind of went on and I was working and kind of got the itch to start swimming again, started talking with other teammates who were getting the same feeling leading up to Tokyo or leading up to Paris. And got in touch with one of my college teammates who had been down here in Southern Maryland at St. Mary's university. And he was swimming, trying to make Olympic trials and was like, Hey, I'm thinking about coming back. He's like, come on down. Coach down here is happy to have you and made the move down here. And I've been down here for about three and a half, four months. Um, so I've been helping out with the teams down here, coaching the club team and getting some quality training in. And it's been, it's been good. I'm enjoying learning to have fun again in the water and just trying to like not feel super old whenever I go to any of these, these meets (laughs) with all these young kids and just, just have some fun with it. So at least you're, at least you're, you're shooting for the possibility of of Paris then, huh? Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're making steps in the right direction. Um, Training has been a little, it's kind of like a different style of training, but I think it's benefited me. Um, And we're definitely, definitely looking forward to making a run. Uh, into June when tri- for trials. Yeah. When I think your story is not necessarily unique. I mean, as an athlete, you know, there are times where you need, you know, mental health breaks and, and breaks from the sport. Uh, otherwise you get burnt out and, and, and you, you get disinterested anyway. Right. So sometimes that those breaks are, are important parts of that, of, of an athlete's journey. Yeah, I think a lot of athletes, and we'll probably speak to this as well, is like, especially in like a games year, there's kind of this stress that you probably you put most on yourself, um, but you get it from external sources without ever really realizing it. And once the games pass and you're finally home, it's sort of like this, whoa, and like it all kind of comes out and you have to take the time to kind of reset and realize like, you did it. Like you put in all this work now, you know, go enjoy being a person and not just a swimmer. Um, find, find other hobbies and activities to kind of decompress and let your heart and brain figure out what they want to do for a little while. That's not so focused and structured, but I think for a lot of people, even after you take that break, if you're like a professional athlete with that kind of intensity and desire, that itch never really goes away and it's kind of, kind of deep down and people tend to tend to come crawling back because they can't resist. <laughs> and, and Zach, as a Paralympian, obviously you get to interact with, um, you know, younger individuals with disabilities and, and, uh, what, uh, what is your, how do you, how do you convey, um, the value and the, uh, the benefits that you get from swimming and the joy from the sport. Yeah, I think that probably took me a little longer to kind of op- like comprehend and share just because swimming wasn't something that I had done as a kid. I couldn't give my shared experience of like being a kid at like a summer league meet 
because I had never done that. Um, so my biggest like message to kids is just like have fun and to parents, it's like make sure they're having fun because burnout is real. Like swimming kids, especially swimmers, it's something that's high demand. And if you want to do it well, it's usually something you have to do year round. Um, and so like a lot of kids get burnt out, you get tired, you don't get the joys of like trying other sports and you're kind of with one group of people. Um, so I always recommend like at a younger age, like stay active in different areas, try different things. Um, don't be so focused, especially in Paralympics, like don't be so focused on like just swimming all the time and like having to get better each race and like being disappointed with results, like results happen. Um, like, but you've got to learn to find the joys and like the little things or like being with the people that you're with. Otherwise it just gets like super hard. Um, so finding, finding the love and the joy in it every day. And like, that's like seeing younger kids swim brings that to me because you see why they're doing it. There's no egos. There's no kind of like desire to be the best. It's just, they're doing it because it's fun and they like it. And you're like, oh yeah, that's why we should be swimming. That's that's the whole purpose. Everyone else was here because everyone, for the most part, started out like that. Like they just wanted to try it and see where it could take them, and it gives them some sort of freedom from their like life with a disability. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that that word freedom because that's it's such an the pool and water is such an equalizer, you know, and, and, uh, and, uh, and, and it does provide freedom, particularly for, you know, individuals with, with certain disabilities. Um, once you're in the pool, you know, it kind of goes, you know, sometimes can go away. So, so that's, um, you know, have you had that experience or thought uh, around, um, the kind of the, the freeness of the pool, the freedom that the pool and the waters provides? I would say that I think water provides me a certain freedom in that i'm just like i've always been drawn to water i love like swimming in the river or like going snorkeling down like in a reef and seeing like wildlife like for me that's the draw like i get to go and just be in the water mm -hmm. um but talking to my teammates who have maybe like leg challenge like challenges amputations or like mobility access like for paralysis or wheelchair users mm -hmm. like i don't experience the same freedom that I think they experience. I think for some people, when they get in the water, it's this like overwhelming sense of just like freeness. I get into the water and I'm like, holy smokes, this is hard. And I'm fighting the water and I'm trying my best to just like kind of adapt and figure out a way to get in. Um, because I didn't grow up that way. I didn't, you know, find it when I was a child and learn how to like, feel it and love it i just sort of got into it because it was something that i was early, had early success with i was told i was good at and then continued to kind of ride that wave and want to get better and realize it was an opportunity that i could travel and share a message with younger athletes to you know this is a great way to continue sport to stay active to stay fit stay healthy um Mm -hmm. But I do find freedom in the water and in different ways than I think maybe other teammates do. Yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, the aerobic activity that you may, you just mentioned, obviously, uh, in terms of whether you want to compete in the sport of swimming or not. I know a lot of individuals like to get in the pool just because it's a great cardio and great aerobic activity. Um, 
how do you uh, how do you train or how do you or and maybe maybe it's a two part question but how do you train or how do you encourage others who want to compete or reach the elite level what do you recommend in terms of their training yeah for recommending or like talking to others who are interested in pursuing swimming i think joining a team has got to be your your primary goal it's really hard to swim and stick to a program at least to be competitive by yourself i did that um a lot kind of after tokyo i was just trying to swim on my own um while i was at the pool near where my grandparents lived and that was really challenging um because it's easily incentivized to like you could get a workout and look at it and no one's there to be like, you have to do this. It's more like I could do like five of these when you're supposed to do eight and kind of take it, take a step back and not have that um, kind of intentional drive or excuse to like work for someone else, like the coach telling you what to do or your teammates pushing you to make sure that you're getting the most out of your workout. Um, So being on a team, I think is my main message, finding a group that, is you know there but also understands that swimming with a disability has got outside avenues like you're not all in it to do the same thing for someone with a disability like they have this paralympic avenue um and so they might not be doing you know as much as the rest of the team or hitting the same intervals or doing the same total yardage or as fast as their able-bodied teammates but if your able-bodied teammates can buy into that you're there for more, that's huge. And my college team teammates did that. And it was a huge reason that I became the swimmer I was and had the success that I've had. Yeah. And then, and I know we started out, started our conversation this way, the kind of the team versus individual sport. But so it's funny that you mentioned join a team uh, for an, basically what's considered to be an individualized sport. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's, it is one of those sports that like when it comes down to it, it's all the effort that you put in. And mm-hmm. when you race, like it's just your race, except if like you have a relay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's really hard to just do that by yourself. Like you, you are when you're in college or high school, like you're swimming for a team. Like you have, you're trying to mm-hmm. score points for your team. Right. Or if you're not scoring points, like, I don't know if I, I scored very few points for my college team, but I tried to, kind of step up in a different sort of leadership role. I was there for teammates, however I could be in like a supportive way. Um, And just trying to kind of bring out the best. Cause I think when you have people that are supporting you and you know, you have people in your corner or they're putting the pressure on you to be the best you can be um, and challenging you to push yourself harder than you think you can go, you're going to find success in ways that you didn't think you could. Mm. And just in terms of other general things that that since it's, since um, we're also putting together the magazine article about swimming, what are what are I mean, uh, uh, some sports obviously need a lot of equipment, right? Like if you need if you play wheelchair basketball, you need a sports chair. But um, what are what are things swimmers need? Uh, I mean, starting out. You a swimmer really just needs uh, a good pair of goggles that's not going to leak and a comfortable swimming suit, whether that's like a jammer or a speedo. I don't recommend like bathing suits just because they're very draggy and they make swimming a lot harder. Mm-hmm. Um, a cap to keep your hair back out of your face, and that's 
that's really it until you kind of get to the higher higher level you can start investing in like certain equipment like a kickboard or pool buoys and paddles um fins are common uh accessory to swimmers and then when you get to like higher level racing um you're gonna buy tech suits which are like racing suits so there's these like 300 really tight suit mm-hmm. that you put on gives you buoyancy and makes it feel super fast um and i mean there's not really a lot to it like equipment wise it's very limited you can have external things that like a parachute or um kind of some cords and drag socks that like advanced swimmers would know like what those terms mean but for kids like a good pair of goggles a good cap and a kickboard goes a long way yeah once you get into the elite training level then you might need some more things that either help with the uh, you're, uh, you know, slowing the resistance or, or, or even helping you speed up, you know, and there's lots yes. of different accessories for that. But, um, mm-hmm. and besides, I'm glad you mentioned the swim cap besides obviously j- just keeping, um, some things out of your eyes. Is there any other benefits to a swim cap? I mean, does it actually help with aerodynamics or anything along those lines? Yeah. I mean, a swim cap is designed to obviously hold things in, but the biggest thing with swimming is like, you're trying to move through water that wants to fight against you. So anything that can kind of round out your hair and keep your, keep your head flat and aerodynamic is gonna, gonna help for sure. Okay. And how does an athlete, um, I mean, you, you had, it sounds like some, some unique circumstances where, where you, you know, your first race, you did really well, you know, you did really well. And, and then you were beating records early on. Um, How does a, how do, how do a lot of other swimmers recognize that they're good, that they, that they can compete at, at a, at a, at a good level? Yeah, I think swimming is hard. Cause like every, like the 1% of swimmers are so fast and um, you, you know, it takes a lot in able-bodied swimming. It's, it's hard to find those like really, really fast kids. And it takes, a ton of dedication and a ton of work from a young age to sort of get to that, that point where you're physically able to do what's demanded of you Mm -hmm. um, from a coach who has the experience and knows what it takes to get to that level. Uh, For a lot of swimmers, you know, you're, you just want to set small goals, whether that could be, you know, maybe like a summer league, like making your, like the final in an event or Mm -hmm. hitting like a regional cut or a state cut. Um, like at the high school level, at the college meet, it's making, you know, trying to get offers from at the, anywhere from a D3 to a D1 school just to have the chance to swim. Like, I think fast is very relative. Uh, it's really what you're, what you're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. If your goal is to be, you know, an Olympic level swimmer, like that has to start early and like, it's a lot of sacrifice. But if your goal is to be, you know, a college, like division three level swimmer, with maybe outside hopes of making Olympic trials, like that's a little bit of a different avenue. Um, so it's hard to give advice like universal, but I just right. kind of the same, like find a good coach, know what you're willing to put in and um, understand that there's going to be ups and downs along the way. Yeah. And I think um, the, 
key takeaway that you, that you that resonated with me was just set small goals, right? And that's yeah. that's a that's a that that trends uh, that goes across just sport, not just sport in life. It, it's in life as well. Just set small goals. It doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to bake, bite, uh, take off big bites. Just take small bites, and and then you'll get there. Exactly. Yeah, I think you can't look at the big picture. Um, I'm I'm always one that you know I prefer. I like to have like positive feedback and I don't like disappointment is something that I like that weighs down hard on me. So like if I set a goal and I don't hit it, then I'm like, it's really hard for me to see that goal and like want to push for it more. But if I set small goals and can hit them and like continue to work my way up, I find that sort of ladder of success an easier Avenue to follow than feeling like I've I'm disappointed and always in the negative versus like feeling, finding, different versions of success. And is there, I mean, obviously when you want to, you know, take being an athlete seriously and you want to compete or compete at a, at a higher level, um, and regardless of sport, you know, you obviously need to be, you know, you need to be technical, you need to be, uh, physical, obviously conditioning and, uh, strength and conditioning and workouts, and, uh, you have to eat healthy, uh, mental health components. Is there anything outside of that that's unique to kind of swimming or any other kind of components that you need to consider when you want to take on swimming as a sport? Um, yeah, I mean, the, you touched on a lot of the kind of key components. I think the mental and physical health part I would probably emphasize the most is, you know, what are you doing outside of the pool to kind of take care of your your body? Um, mm -hmm. How are you recovering? How are you sleeping? Mm -hmm. um, are you kind of stretching, improving mobility, range of motion? Uh, are you doing like dry land? Are you in the gym included in those workouts? And then like, all of that takes a toll. So like mental health has to be up there. I speak to a therapist like once a week, usually um, just to kind of go over like sports, like it's more sports psychologist focused, um, kind of go over how my week of training was, what kind of went on in my life, um, what's been positive, what's been negative. How can we continue to kind of reinforce the positives and get out of negative habits? Uh, so mental health is huge and having a support network having mm -hmm. a group of people that are in your corner whether mm -hmm. it's your mom and your dad or your friends or partners like someone that's there and like you can have those other conversations with like when you're feeling stressed or tired like and they support and they understand kind of what you're going through is huge yeah well zach is there anything else that we didn't talk about that you know that that might be important for us to 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 for others to, to hear in terms of the, uh, swimming no i uh i think my last message to everyone would be just you know continue to have some fun be willing to try new things i had never swam on a team before college um so if you're there's something you're interested in or want to learn more about ask go you never you never know what you're gonna miss um and you could always find success in different ways so just have some fun and try something new